Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. It seemed like we blinked from Resurrection Day, and here we are again on Sunday morning ready to study God's Word. So I hope that God's prepared your heart to receive the Word. It is so good to see you, and I'm going to invite you right now to take your Bibles and turn to Ezra chapter 7. Not often do you get asked to turn to Ezra. We're going to start in Ezra today. We'll get there in a couple minutes, and then we're going to walk through some different texts of Scripture, uh, various texts of Scripture as we prepare ourselves for what's going to happen next week, which I'll mention in just a minute. But while you're turning, I just want to say how thrilled we are that you are here with us this morning. It is so good to see you. Uh, Some that have been working through different health ailments, different travels you've been on, uh, it is great to see you all here this morning. I would like to say a special welcome to Steve and Lauren, our newlywed couple here, sitting five rows back. If you don't know them, get to know them. Newlywed after three weeks ago. It's good to have you guys, your first Sunday as a married couple. I would also like to, we can give them a hand, that's great. Also, I know Grant said something about this, but a special greeting to very special guests today. Welcome the Bootinger clan, and it really is like a clan back here. So it's good to see all of you here today, um, along with Ed and Deb. We are so, yeah, we can keep. (laughs) Praise God for Irma's 76th birthday. Sorry, I had to mention it. 75 was COVID birthday, so 76, right? Not that that isn't completely rude to announce years from the pulpit, but I will tell you that, uh, Aunt Irma and Uncle Ed have had a massive part in my life. Even as a little critter running around this building right here, I looked up to Uncle Ed and Aunt Deb. Um, my bigger brothers who were much bigger than me, Ed and Rick and Bob, who are all here today. So we're in the presence of family. So it's good to see everybody here today. So, as you can see from the top of your sermon notes, today is preparation day. What am I talking about? Well, I hope you're ready for a journey, brothers and sisters in Christ, because here we go. Um, for the next year, we are going to be traveling together through a wonderful book in the Bible. I hope you're ready. It is the book of Romans. This book, arguably the most articulate book in the Bible. Uh, this is a book that summarizes all pretty much all of the major disciplines of theology, you're going to find them in this book. This is the book that most concisely summarizes God's redemptive plan. So, of the most amazing book in all of history, the segment in the most amazing book of all of history, some would consider to be Romans, so the next year, brothers and sisters, we get to hang out in the most amazing text in all of human history. I hope you're ready. This is going to be a fun journey. I hope God is preparing your heart to open the scriptures every single Sunday, to glean from the word, to take it home, to dig in and say, yeah, did that pastor really mean what he said? Is that really true? I hope that's the kind of person you are, that you take the word and study it. I pray that your heart has been prepared to study the word. Um, When we think about this book of Romans, here's what it does in my mind, it It connects the dots. We'll talk more of this next week. A lot of these questions we have in our minds of why did God do this or how did God do this? This is what the book of Romans does. In this summary of theology from the Apostle Paul, he's connecting theological dots for us. I don't know if some of you, I I really enjoy hunting. And I'll... I'll pull out my, there you go, a couple of mans right there. I'll pull out my binoculars after my kids have played with them for a couple months, right? Not really, but I'll pull them out and I'll look at that animal and there is no clarity. I'm like, wow, either my eyesight's got really bad or someone's been tinkering with my binoculars. And what do I do? I just kind of shift them a little bit, get them going, and then I can dial in and I find clarity in what I'm looking at. To me, Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the book of Romans. What does it do? 
It dials in. It clarifies who God is and what His plan is. So, today though, I know you're ready, but we're going to wait. We're going to jump in the book next week. Why? Well, think of it this way. It's a journey. Anytime you go on a journey, it takes special preparation. Uh, This week, we took the circus, the Scott Family Circus, on a road show. (laughs) We went camping this week. Uh, We packed the kids up, put them in the camper. We love camping, so uh, we, we went from... Hannah and I backpacking and tent camping to a little camper and it's kind of grown and now we have this bigger camper that we take with the kids and we pack up the kids in the whole circus and we go somewhere to camp and we did that this week for spring break for a couple days. Had a great time. I'm going to tell you though, I was reminded when the 10 o'clock a.m. time came on the day we were supposed to depart and stuff was all over the yard. You've been there, haven't you? All over the house, I was reminded of two things. Number one, how much time it takes to prepare well. And number two, how thankful I am for a wife that's organized. I mean, my job was to get the bikes ready, right? Get the truck ready and the camper ready. And I'm behind. But here's the point. Probably right now, there's a family vacation of some sort that's coming to your mind, where for us, it's leave at 10 a.m., and usually it's a good thing if we pull out by 11, 30, 12. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because it's important to prepare. You're preparing for this journey. Sometimes weeks ahead of time, sometimes months ahead of time, sometimes days ahead of time, and sometimes hours ahead of time. But nonetheless, it takes preparation. Okay, what are we doing today in our study? Okay, we're preparing for this journey. Next week, 10.15, we're going to start off on a journey. I will tell you, I'm hoping it's not 11.30 or 12. Uh, If I don't get to the point, it will be there. But we're preparing. Today is preparation. We're preparing for this journey. We're preparing to study the Word of God. And so that is the simple study today. It's not a complex study. It's not a deep study. We're going to talk about what God is doing in our hearts to prepare us. To study the word. And then what we should be doing this week to prepare our hearts, our own hearts, and study the word. We're going to be looking at this key truth. Today, you can take note of this. By God's grace, God's people must prepare their hearts to study God's word. I think your handout might say should, which is fine, but I really think it should probably go from a should to a must in our lives. We must prepare. We've got to prepare. This is just some haphazard thing where it's like, okay, it's time to open the Word of God. Five minutes in, we're done. Check. I'd studied the Word of God today. I did the Word today, right? That's not how we approach the Scriptures. This is a preparation of our hearts. It, it is a prayer that God would use this Word to completely transform us from the inside out. Everything about us. That's what we're talking about today. Let's just break this key truth down a little bit. By the way, this is a great, right now, take note of what's happening here. Sorry to embarrass you, Sammy and Debbie. But think about that in about 10 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, okay? This is a live illustration of what we're talking about this morning. By God's grace, God's people must prepare their hearts to study God's word. Let's just break this down and start with the last one there. What are we talking about, brothers and sisters in Christ? What you have on your laps right now is God's word. We're going to start with that premise. When we open the book, the most amazing book in all of human history, and next week when we go to the book of Romans and we open this and we start with verse 1, brothers and sisters, we can be assured that this is God's word. It isn't just some guy creatively writing and Paul does a masterful job. It is God. God's Word. When we're talking about God's Word, we're talking about specific, special revelation from God. We're talking about propositional, here's a word that we like to ignore sometimes in our culture, propositional, absolute truth. That's what the Word of God is. 
In fact, Jesus claims this before he goes to the cross. What, what does he claim? He says, he prays, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. So when we open up the word of God, we're opening up propositional truth that God is going to use to transform our lives. We're talking about the inspired and inerrant word of God that has been miraculously preserved for you and for me. Praise God for that. God intended this word for you and for me to open regularly and to study and to enjoy this word. We're talking about 40 human authors, 1,500 years precisely writing as they were miraculously guided by the Holy Spirit of God. We're talking about a book that is more than just a book. Friends, this is God's book. This is God's word. And I know I'm preaching the choir today because you wouldn't be here probably if you weren't embracing the word of God. But we need to remind ourselves that God's word is sufficient for every single need in our lives. All right, this has been an up and down week for a lot in here. Just even talking and catching up with some of you this morning. The hospital visits. The struggles with the job. Uh, some of you got to chill, especially we're talking about teens here in this room who went from your bed to the couch, right? for spring break. Some of you got a really relaxed week, but others in this room, it was not such a relaxed week. I'm over talking about pray, uh, praying diligently for that pain that won't leave your body. We're talking about struggles. And I'm going to tell you, God has gifted us with the most amazing gift. It is the Word of God that guides us and guards us and grows us through every single struggle of our lives. When we talk about God's Word, this isn't some haphazard book. It is God's Word. Let's look at this a little bit deeper. The first three words of this key truth. By God's grace, God's people must prepare their hearts to study God's Word. What are we talking about? God's Word is an absolute gift. We don't deserve it. When we talk about grace, we're talking about a gift that we do not deserve. What you have on your lap right now is a gift from Almighty God. So often we put on our shelves, and the, the, the stats are staggering about how many Bibles are in each family's home. Have you seen these? Average of like five per family in America. And this greatest gift ever sitting up on the shelf. And what we're doing here through the, through the study is to compel us to take that book and to realize this is a gift. This is a gift of God's grace. But it goes beyond just the gift of receiving the Word of God. It's a gift of understanding it. This is beautiful. The fact is, if it were not for the Holy Spirit of God, we would not have the Word of God, and we could not understand the Word of God. You catch that? If it were not for the Holy Spirit of God doing a work in your heart and your mind, we could not understand the Word of God. We're not going to go into this deeply today, but John 16 and 17 talks about this Holy Spirit, this comforter that's going to guide us. Paul to the church at Corinth with all these problems. We talked about the church at Corinth last week. All these problems they were working through. Paul very clearly says the natural man cannot receive these things cannot understand these things. It is the Holy Spirit of God that is doing a work in our hearts to help us to understand what you have in your laps right now. Theologically, this is known as what? Illumination. The basic point is the unregenerate, natural person might acknowledge facts about God's Word. Anybody can look at the Scriptures and tell you what date this happened or who the author of this was. But to truly understand the word of God, it is the work of God's grace through his Holy Spirit. This venture we're on through the book of Romans, brothers and sisters in Christ, my prayer is that we daily, before we even open the word of God, the book of Romans, we're calling out to God saying, God, show me truths from your word. Do you do this? You sit down to read the Bible before you even open the word saying, God, please show me more about you. Show me more about how I can change to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. All right. By God's grace, God's people must prepare their hearts to study the word. 
So, even though it's the Holy Spirit of God enlightening our minds, and and as it's illuminating our minds and our hearts to understand and apply the word, it also takes diligent effort. That's the beauty of what God's doing through the New Testament. This sanctification, the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives, but also this call to diligent effort, and that's what we're looking at today. Diligent effort to study the word of God. I mean, maybe you have this pattern in your life. You wake up in the morning and grab your coffee. You have to have coffee to understand the scriptures, right? To wake up enough to see it. In fact, my, my wife says she can't even walk in the spirit in the morning until she has coffee. And I would attest to that. Sorry, babe. But whatever habit you have to study the word of God in the morning, you open this book and it takes diligent effort to meditate on this word, to study it. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. Yes, this is something we receive and we're thrilled about. But brothers and sisters in Christ, it also takes an element of effort in our study. We're going to look at that today. Over the course of the next year, as we look at Romans, it's going to take some effort to put the pieces of the puzzle together, to connect the dots, to clarify the binoculars. It's going to take a bit of effort to see clearly what God is saying here in this book to study. By God's grace, God's people must prepare their hearts to study God's word. I want us to do this this morning, to start with two examples in the scriptures of preparation of the heart. And I want to start the book here at right now, Ezra chapter 7. You might have it on your device or in the Bible, in your lap, or on the back of your handout. You can read this text Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. I love this. Before we even read the verse, who is Ezra? Very quickly, he's a ready scribe and spiritual leader in Israel in a very dark time for Israel. He ministered to God's people 500 years prior to Jesus. He spiritually guided God's people as they returned from Babylon, if you'll remember this in Israel's history, from Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem. Who was the spiritual leader? It was Ezra. Who was the political, more political type leader? It was Nehemiah. Who was the spiritual leader? It was Ezra. Ezra was a man who loved God. He saw dark times in Israel's history and he trusted his God. This guy Ezra, this man of God Ezra, was actually a man that God used to compile a lot of those books you have in your Bible right now, the Old Testament books. Who put these together? You ever thought about this? Who compiled a lot of this stuff? I'm going to tell you, one of the men God used to compile this stuff was the guy we're studying about right now, this man Ezra. And I love this because Ezra ministered to the spiritual needs of Israel in very hard hard times, dark times. But we find this clue in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 about how he approached God's revelation. And would you look with me at Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. This beautiful verse. For Ezra had set his heart. Some of your translations will actually say prepared his heart. Same concept. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. What is this? I mean, very simply, we're not going to dwell here on what Ezra's doing here, but this gives us a beautiful, like a wonderful pattern that we can embrace in our own lives. Very simply, we can pray this. As we open the book of Romans every week, this is our goal. Studying the law of the Lord. Preparing your hearts to study God's word. But not just study God's word. Preparing your heart to do what? To obey God's word. But not just study and obey God's word. If something really means something to us, what are we going to do? We're going to pass it on to other people. We can't help but share it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we get through Romans, we're going to find, but God demonstrated his love towards us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Very practically, how do we approach the study of Romans chapter 5 when we get to there? We pray that God would prepare our hearts to study that verse, to obey, and to pass on the good news. I want us to look at one other illustration. You know this guy in the scriptures because we talk of him often. I love the story of Timothy, Paul's son in the faith. This dude who clearly had 
of what's known as like a fear of man. Paul tells him in ministry, don't be afraid of people, but live as an example of the believers. That's his guy, Timothy. But we find in this guy, Timothy, a wonderful example of what God is doing to prepare our hearts and our lives with the word. And I want to just read these verses and we'll move on. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. They're on the back of your handout if you'd like to follow along. Paul to Timothy says what? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have, acquainted, have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I love this. We'll continue the next two verses in just a minute. A lot of times we jump right to verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. But a lot of times we fail to read what's right above that. What had God done to prepare Timothy's heart to receive the word? And I love this because there's a lot of grandmas and moms in here. God used influential people in his life to prepare him to receive the word. We find very clearly in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God used his grandma Lois and his mom Eunice to prepare his heart to receive Jesus. Yeah, why why do I bring that up this morning? Because there's a lot of young ones in this room. There's some little critters, as we call them affectionately. In this room, they're trying to figure this Jesus stuff out. Is this Jesus worth it? We pray for them almost every week. There's some little ones sitting there right now who grandma and grandpa keep nudging them saying, hey, stop squirming. It's okay to squirm. (laughs) But here's the deal. They're trying to figure it out, and who is God going to use in their lives to prepare them to receive the word? Dads, moms, grandmas, grandpas, God is going to use you over the course of this next year. As we open the book of Romans, we're going to take these truths, and my prayer is that we take them home. We talk of them with our family. I mean, exactly what happened to Timothy here, where his mom and his grandma regularly taught him the scriptures that, they, that he might know how to find salvation in Jesus Christ. And then when Paul, the minister of the gospel, comes along, Timothy's like, yeah, I've heard that stuff. My mom and grandma told me. Similarly to what happens when we come here to church on Sunday mornings and someone gets up here and rants and raves and talks about Romans. These kids can say, yeah, I've heard this stuff. Why? Because mom and dad have been teaching me this stuff. I've been preparing my heart to receive the word. And here's the point. Brothers and sisters in Christ, young and old alike, the Ezras, the Timothys, the men, the women, all of us in this room, no matter what our demographic is, no matter what our age group is, we are compelled in scriptures to prepare our hearts regularly and intentionally to receive the word. By God's grace, God's people must prepare their hearts to study God's word. So this morning, in a very simple fashion, in a very simple fashion, I want us to take the rest of our time. And I want us to kind of prime the pump. I want to share a couple of wonderful metaphors in the scripture. Because the, the fact of the matter is this. Sure, you get your coffee in the morning, Sure you sit down, sure you open your word, but then your your phone starts dinging, buzzing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Your mind starts racing. It's not always easy to study the word of God. Even though we see this as a beautiful joy, the most wonderful book in all of human history we can interact with every day, It's not always fun to sit down and study the Word of God. Can we just be practical about this? It's not always a joy. But there's some things that help. And I think one of the things that God so beautifully does in in His Word is give us metaphors, examples. 
examples of what it means to study God's Word. And I want us to look at a couple of those before we close out this morning. I want us to start with this one. God's people must approach God's Word as the compliant servant with a gracious master. A servant. Okay, Pastor Andrew, would you prove that? Great, let's go to Psalm 19. I put the whole, well, actually verses 1 through 14 on the back of your handout if you want to follow along with that. This is one of the most profound psalms talking, actually one of the most profound chapters in all the scriptures talking about God's revelation to us. The structure is beautiful. I mean, uh, if, if you just simply think of it this way, in verses 1 through 6, God is showing himself, he's revealing himself through nature around us. This is called general revelation. All right, But that's not enough to know what we need to know about God and Jesus. We know a couple things, which we'll look at in Romans 1 in a couple weeks. There are some very clear things we can know from general revelation. But we need more than that to know about God. And so, what has God done to reveal Himself to us? It is His Word. It's called specific revelation. And so the next series of verses, 7, 8, 9, 10, all talk of this specific revelation. And I want us to read about general revelation, specific revelation, and then I want us to notice very quickly this morning, and I'm going to spend a lot of time in Psalm 19, what is David's response? Let's start with verse 1. You know these verses. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. Okay, quick time out. Oftentimes with my kids, we step out on the back porch or we're on a camping trip or something, we'll look up. Uh, especially when we lived in Colorado and we lived at 10,000 feet. You'd look up and the, you could see so many stars. And tell little kids, hey, what is God doing right now? He's shouting out how big he is. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's declaring how amazing he is. In verse 3, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Anybody can look up into the sky and see God's handiwork. And if you're blind, guess what? You can feel God's handiwork because of the sun. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a, what a metaphor here, like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. Now we transition from general revelation, how God speaks generally through his creation, to specific revelation. Just follow me here if you would. The law of the Lord is perfect. Yes. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. There's so much in this chapter that we can meditate on. I want to refrain this morning and I want us to go to verse 11. Because what is David's response? There's a word that I think we could all circle. Moreover, by them is your what? Servant warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. Verse 13. Keep back your what? Servant also from presumption sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
Okay, this is, this is the response of a servant. God, you've shown yourself to me in general creation, general revelation. You've shown yourself to me specifically in the Word of God. Now, what is my revelation going to be or my words going to be? Here it is, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's the simple point of me bringing up Psalm 19 this morning? Here it is. We are to be compliant servants to God's Word, not to demand that God's Word is a compliant servant to us. Do you see the, dis- the distinction there? We don't create a hermeneutic or a way of interpreting the Scriptures that adjusts to my lifestyle. I often have thought about this. It's possible to create a way of interpreting the scriptures. Anybody can do this, to create a, create a way of interpreting the scriptures in just the right, right way. Twist it just the right way to justify the lifestyle you're living right now. But that's not the way of a servant. What does the servant do? The servant say, I'm gonna, says, I'm going to interpret the word of God according to what the word of God says. Not according to what I want the word of God to say. When we approach God's word over the next year, when we open the book of Romans and we look at this word and we glean from the truth, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's going to be some hard stuff for us to, to comprehend and, and to swallow. Like, did I really just say that? There's going to be some tough things for us to apply through the book of Romans, and I'm going to constantly remind all of us, including myself, primarily myself, Andrew, you are a servant to God's word. Don't make God's word serve you. So how do we approach the word of God over the next year in the study of Romans? We are to approach God's word as a compliant servant with a gracious master. I want us to look at just a couple quick other metaphors and scriptures. Not exhaustively, but there's a couple really cool ones. Let's go to this one. God's people must approach God's word like a treasure keeper with an acquired treasure. Oh, this is so good. I know right now some of you, especially the little ones, are trying to anticipate what was going to be there, and you put a treasure hunter. <laughs> gotcha. It's a treasure keeper. All right. Why do I say that? Well, the point and the passages we're going to look at is not necessarily that you're seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking this treasure. The point is you have found this treasure. Now enjoy it. Enjoy it, this treasure. Enjoy keeping it and guarding it and participating in it. Enjoy this treasure that, that God has graciously given to you. In Proverbs, it does talk about seeking wisdom as a treasure. But more particularly in the passages we're looking at today, it is treasuring the word that you already have. I'm not looking for more revelation. I'm treasuring the revelation that God has given me right now. By the way, if you seek your new revelation, you won't find it according to God. Where, where, where can we go to find this? I, I put on there Job 23, 12. Through all the trials and doubts and discouragements in, in Job's life. You know the story of Job. Job answers his friend Aliphaz this way. He says this, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Ouch. <laughs> I was reading through that this weekend saying, can I, can I honestly say this? Every, mo- every morning as I step my foot on the ground and I try to find that coffee and drink it, right? And I try to take sustenance in my body. Do I treasure the Word of God more than that food? All right, for you ornery ones who say, well, I don't eat breakfast. What's your stomach doing right now? You know what's on the grill in about an hour. You know what's in the crock pot. You know how the natural workings of our heart is. And yes, food is a gift from God. But you know what my prayer is that as we study through this book of Romans, there's going to be times when, hey, maybe you have a lunch break and you can't help yourself from going and open up Romans chapter 3. You can't help yourself from jumping into Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, the struggles of, of Paul in Romans chapter 7 because you're like, that's me! 
Maybe that sandwich goes by the way in your lunch break because you're so hungry for the Word of God. This treasure. I love how David says this. When we're talking about verses that we really identify with in our life. And my daughter Kara shared this verse with us this week around the campfire as one of her favorite verses. David says this in Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? A young person, particularly in this passage, young man, but application-wise, young person, young people here in this room, how are you going to keep your way pure in the nonsense of the world you live in and brokenness? How are you going to live for the holiness of God in this broken world? I love it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And here it is. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. All right, some of your translations will say, I've hidden it in my heart. Some of your translations will say, I've treasured it in your heart. All the same topic, the same meeting. You have stored it up. You have treasured it. This means something very important to you is God's word. I treasured this word in my heart. My goal as we study through Romans that we're consumed with enjoying God's word like an acquired treasure. Even if it means neglecting times of food. This week, uh, even this morning, I was sitting there preparing my mind, praying and looking over notes and things like that, and our two youngest ones got up pretty quick, and guess what? They got out of bed, and that means focus time's done for dad, right? <laughs> hey, go sit on the couch for a little bit. You're still tired, aren't you? Why don't you want to go back to bed? You know the whole game, right? Well, one of my daughters brings to me this treasure, this little music box, which I think I hear. <laughs> All right, there's a music box, and she brings this treasure, and she loves this. I mean, other ones, I remember when I was a kid, I had this box, and you know what you did. You're treasures. And honestly, they probably weren't that valuable, but they're treasures to you. The world around you thinks that's not that valuable, but they were treasures to you. I'm going to tell you, we have the privilege of every day going to that special pri- that treasure box and opening it up and saying, wow, look what God's blessed me with. Over the next year, how should we approach God's word? We should approach God's word like a compliant servant with a gracious master, with, like a treasure keeper with an acquired treasure. Now third, I want us to just briefly look at this. Like a newborn baby with necessary nourishment. Go to the live illustration we just had a minute ago. <laughs> right now, there's probably a couple visuals coming to your mind of Babies just crying out, I need this, whether in their car seat or their crib, they need food. Even though you know they're not necessarily hungry because they just ate an hour ago, they're yelling out because this is the time when they need to eat. (laughs) I enjoyed thinking about this a little bit this week. This is what comes to our mind, this crying baby. I love this one, though. (laughs) Give me it, right? I'm so hungry, it's not even a game. You feel that way with the Word of God sometimes, honestly. It's not a game. Stop pretending like, like studying the Word of God is a game to me. No, I need it. I need this. When I study the Word of God, it is not a demonstration of how disciplined I am. It is a declaration of how dependent I am on God's Word. I need this. Where do we go in scriptures to find this? Well, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, Peter shares this very clearly. We don't know a lot about his personal life, Peter, but we do know he was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So he was married, and I think very possibly Peter had children, okay? So I think very possibly when Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was writing this, there very possibly could have been a little wham-wham in the background, as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. That's what Peter says. If you doubt this fact that a newborn baby desires spiritual, desires sustenance, Danielle Taylor has provided me with a whole list of wonderful nursery workers who will gladly plead Peter's case for us. 
My wife can attest to you of the powerful set of lungs of several of our kids, particularly one, Eva. <laughs> when she was hungry, ain't nobody not going to hear her. To do justice to this text, though, I mean, in our minds we think, oh, this is a beautiful description of Peter. Now, I'll go quickly through this. We need to close this up here soon. Peter, you think he's describing a newborn baby here as a newborn baby desires the sincere milk of the word. Okay, we need to do justice to the text here. That word desire is an imperative. What's an imperative? It's a command. What's the importance of interpreting this verse then? As a newborn baby, you better desire the milk of the word. You need it. This is a command to believers. If God has graciously changed your life through the word, and by the way, that's verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right? If God has graciously changed your life through the word, well, you better long for that word. Desire for it. Even those times in your life where you get up in the morning and you're like, there's so many other things I can do. Desire the word of God. Like newborn infants long for the spiritual milk of the word. I want to look at one other one. We'll close up shop today. Here it is. God's people must approach God's word like a diligent worker with a precise task. It's so good. Not only like a compliant service servant with a gracious master, not only like a treasure keeper with an acquired treasure, not only a newborn baby with necessary nourishment, but a diligent worker with a precise task. Let's go back to 2 Timothy and let's look at 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. I grew up studying it this way according to the Awana books. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed. How many of you remember that verse? Studied it that way. All right, good. I, I also like this translation. Verse 15 in the ESV says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. It's very important to catch that. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What is this? This is not saying we can somehow study enough to make God want a relationship with you. If I study more, God will want me. This is not saying we can somehow earn a right standing with God the more we study. If that was the case, you would be ignoring what Paul says about grace and a multitude of other passages actually proving that you haven't diligently studied the Word of God. But this is saying that since you have been changed by God through Jesus Christ, since you have a new identity in Christ, show up for work. (laughs) Do your job. Since God has changed your life, again, John 17, 17, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Since God has changed our life with the word, now let's show up to work like a diligent worker. Since you have been changed by God, don't mishandle the primary tool of the trade, the word of God. All right. I praise God. And one thing I absolutely love about this church is that it is full of tradesmen and tradeswomen. If it's not an employment, it's a hobby or at least a ministry. People love doing practical jobs. I love that. I'm right there with you. But there are some workers that are more skilled than other workers. There are some that actually know how to use the tools. There's others of us that like try to make one tool do everything. And if it's a power tool, Yes. I enjoyed this last year. We did some housework, and I got to work with a couple guys, uh, some of them here, Roger Estes, Ken Vaughn, a couple wonderful uh, electricians, Nick and Joe helped me out. We were doing some work around the house, and I'm going to tell you, especially in the carpentry stuff, like, hey, that's good enough. We're close. That is not in the book of Ken Vaughn. Ken, if you're not here, I know you're listening right there. I mean, it's got to be on. Roger Estes put these, all, all of this finished work done, and I just stand back and I'm like, how did you do that so precisely? These are guys that are skilled at the trade. They're diligent workers. There's others here that are very diligent workers that, that God has developed in their life this passion and skill. 
of laboring, uh, especially in carpentry work. But I, I want us to think of it differently, though, because cutting it straight is certainly in the trades. But when you look at this verse and some of the other metaphors that Paul uses, the idea is, is not necessarily, it's not excluded from this, but not just our carpentry worker. It is actually a field laborer. Think about that. Cutting it straight. Rightly handling the job that you've been given. This week uh, we packed up, like I said, we went down and camped down south of here, down at a KOA next to Santa Cruz. And so I broke out one day and, and d- did a little jog and ran along the beach and met up with the family. And I was doing a little jog and I ran past these strawberry fields and I was like, this is cool. For a guy that grew up mostly in, Cal- in Colorado, born here but grew up mostly out there, you, n- you don't have the strawberry fields like you do out here. And I was just, I was jogging by, surprised it hit a sign or a tree or something, because I was just glued on the workers. These workers that just took time to make it all look precise. There's a guy I waved at. This is a hard, I know this guy, the hard worker, and this is a kind guy I waved at him. These laborers are out there, were cutting it straight, they were getting it right. This is what comes to mind when I think of this verse. Get it right. Study the Word and make it straight. Not according to what I want it to say, but according to what God is saying. God's people must approach God's Word like a diligent worker with a precise task. The task that God's given us is to study and to apply His Word. So what? I mean, this, is, this is a very simplistic type sermon. Not super deep today. More of like a motivational talk for what's going to come the next year. It's preparation Sunday for our study. Study, like I said, will launch next week. But so what? I think we've got to answer this question with a question. Is your heart prepared to study the Word of God this next year? You're taking that plow and by God's grace through His Spirit? Have you seen that the hard ground become fertile in your life, ready to receive the Word? Like Ezra in the Scriptures, have you set your heart to study the Word of God? And we're not just talking about old-er people in this room. Teens in this room, I'm talking to you too. Young people in this room, I'm talking to you. Have you set your heart to diligently study God's Word? Maybe a better question would be this. Will you prepare your heart to study the Word of God over the course of the next year? When you're tempted to kind of abandon ship and be like, I'm just going to show up on Sunday morning and just kind of breeze through what the pastor says and then go home, get a little motivation and go home. My prayer, my challenge to each one of you in this room, including myself, is this. By God's grace, will you approach God's word like a compliant servant, with a gracious master, like a treasure keeper, with an acquired treasure, like a newborn baby, with necessary nourishment, and like a diligent worker with a precise task. So God, that is the prayer of our hearts today. I want to thank you for time we could spend just looking at these metaphors in the scriptures, these examples in the scriptures. I want to thank you for your word. I thank you for how rich and how deep it is. Lord, we're reminded even of the metaphor shared by the author of Hebrews that your word is is quick and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Also by Paul in Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I pray, God, that you would help us to embrace this this Word. Lord, I, I know there's some of us in this room that have not set this habit of study. I pray that you would give us grace to spend time every day with you. As we just mentioned, to spend time with you and your Word, not not as a demonstration of how disciplined we can be, but as a declaration of how dependent we are on you. We need you, God. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, friends here today, we're not going to belabor this. We're going to pray and go our ways. We'll sing a praise to God before we go. There's some here that sat through this and said, you know, a lot of that made sense, or maybe some of that made sense, but not all of it. I want to just, before you leave here, let you know that it is no mistake that you're here today. God wanted you here today. You obeyed his drawing and he brought you here to church this morning. Maybe it's to hear what I'm about to say right now. God expressed his love to you on the cross of Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? We were born into this world as, as rebellious sinners against a holy God. God in his holiness and righteousness is just then to condemn all sinners. But God sent Jesus to take your condemnation on the cross of Calvary. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. My question is this, have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Come to him in repentant faith, confessing your sins to him, calling to him to, to redeem your soul. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to take this day to really think about this to call to Jesus to save you. In just a minute, we'll sing a song and we'll go our ways. There's going to be some lingering towards the front there where we have our prayer chaplains. If you'd like more information, more someone just to pray with you on whatever burden you have in your heart, even, I'd say, especially if it's in regards to your eternal destiny, would you come talk to them? The elders at Cross Point Community Church will be spread out through the auditorium. I'll be in the back, most likely. I would love to talk with you more about God's work of grace seen through Jesus Christ. For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith, would you go home this morning motivated to study God's Word? To dig in? Pastor, I'm not a reader. I'm not a studier. Hey, that's okay. Start with one verse. Meditate on that all day long. Start with one chapter. Listen to the Word. Would you treasure the Word of God? And as we approach the study in the book of Romans, would you jump all the way in? So God, that is the prayer of our hearts this morning. I want to thank you for the time we could spend studying your Word. I pray that you would please help us as we launch into this study on this wonderful book of Romans next week as we glean these truths about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Please encourage our hearts. Please save those who need to be saved and grow those who need to grow. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.